Dylan Lewis and I are launching a Kickstarter campaign to buy our own Hawaiian island. Will you contribute on this tech edition of Industry Focus? Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly here with the one and only Dylan Lewis, joining you from Fool Headquarters in beautiful Alexandria, Virginia, and we are talking tech, venture capital, and insane valuations. How are you doing today, Dylan? Doing all right, Sean. First time, long time on IF. This is uh, this has been a long time coming. It has, yes. I was actually surprised you'd never been in the radio studio here. Did you know we had this? No. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't sure where you guys recorded these. Yeah, no, we actually just go down to like a, a, a creepy closet down in the basement. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So we're talking about venture capital and if it's entering a bubble. And for our listeners that don't know, there are the Wall Street Journal came out with this great graphic, and there's about, oh, I don't know, 80, 83 companies that have all recently gotten valuations of over a billion dollars, and they may or may not even generate any revenues. Yeah. Yeah, the Billion Dollar Startup Club. I don't know. It's kind of funny because it obviously draws parallels between what happened in the year 2000, but it's kind of isolated to just venture capital. Basically, none of these companies are public. They may be public someday, and obviously, Facebook started out as a public company, and probably going to go watch The Social Network this weekend <laughs> because this has got me thinking about it again. Well, you're also seeing uh, some public companies acquire these uh, right. VC-funded companies. So uh, it, it's making a transition into public eventually. Slowly but surely. Yeah. Um, so you got, you got like Uber, and this is actually, I want to start it off on a good note. Uh, I just, you know, first and foremost, want to talk about some of the valuations and just give people an idea of what we're talking about here. Um, but this, is act, this doesn't seem that crazy to me, which is Uber. Um, it was recently valued at $40 billion. That's billion with a B. <laughs> Um, and it actually doesn't sound that crazy because they uh, they basically take twenty cents of every dollar in transactions. So when you go out this weekend with your friends and you pay the Uber guy twenty bucks, Uber gets four bucks. Um, that means they're generating about two billion dollars, and it doesn't cost that much to run an app. So they're they're kind of profitable. They're not. That's not absurd to me. Yeah, and it's a business that's projectable, right? You know, and it actually has a social <laughs> utility, <laughs> and it's easy to get your head around. You right. know, like it's something that you can project based on uh, current iterations of transportation. Um, whereas, you know, something like Snapchat, it, seeing how it's going to be monetized, is a Did lot you look tougher. At my computer, I've got this over here. Um, <laughs> look oh, at God. that transition. I can't even deal with this. Okay. Recently valued at fifteen billion dollars, Yahoo was in talks to value them uh, at ten billion. Not oh, I don't know, six months ago. So fifty percent return there, good for them. Um, I don't think they bought into it yet, though. Oh wait, they did. Um, anyway, uh, it raised eight hundred and fifteen million dollars last month, and it essentially generates no revenues. Everybody uses it, like my sister-in-law uses it all the time. Um, but their current goal is to try and generate more revenue without falling out of favor with its legal users, current users. They're trying targeted non-invasive ads. Maybe they'll pull it off. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, they're they're moving over into content a little bit with the Discover part of the app, where they have. Uh, have you used that? Like, what do you think? I've played around with it a little bit. Um, you know, like I guess it's good if you want like two sentences and then check out some video on something. But looking at uh, media providers. At fifteen billion, like that doesn't. There's got to be another way to monetize that it's, to justify that valuation. We'll talk about him in another minute because he's the king of venture capital right now. But uh, Peter Thiel, he was a founder of PayPal. He was the first outside investor in Facebook. He's a billionaire. He's very good at this stuff. But even he admits that the idea with venture capital, any business, is that you know you're trying to maximize future cash flows. So the discounted present value of Snapchat is you're going to tell me fifteen billion dollars. 
Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But on the flip side, Uber. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um, and actually, speaking of Peter Thiel, and this is the other example that I wanted to just talk to everybody about, was it is a company that he helped found, which is, uh, I might be saying this wrong, but Palantir. Mm-hmm. Um, they are basically big data for the government. Um, mm-hmm. They help find Osama bin Laden using computers. And uh, they've got basically some contracts they've had, according to USAspending.gov, $215 million in contracts from the NSA, CIA, Defense Department since 2009. And uh, fiscal year 2014 revenues, this is a guess, mind you, we're all <laughs> just guessing, uh, between five and $600 million. And it was recently valued at, also with Snapchat, $15 billion. It's not profitable. It's a bunch of people in a room with computers. Peter Thiel's an investor in it. I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, a bunch of people in a room with computers is a terrifying and really exciting well, proposition. Yeah, it's like drawn the ire of people that are like, you are all spying on us and making money doing it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so obviously you're talking about multiples of revenues here, mm. mostly unprofitable, but uh, it seems like the the current social media trend between venture capital and just all these startups and everything has a potential downside that you were talking to me about before we went on the show. Yeah, and, uh, you they're know... They're all dependent on each other now. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're all very dependent on each other. Um, so I think if you want to look at recent news, uh, specifically South by Southwest Interactive, uh, you had Meerkat, this... Uh, the cutest app ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this nascent uh, mobile streaming app. Um, and it was the darling of South by Southwest Interactive. Uh, but I think midnight struck a little early for Cinderella. Uh, dur- <laughs> and then during- everything turned to pumpkins and mice. <laughs> uh, during the festival, uh, Twitter announced its that acquisition. happened during the festival? During the festival. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, Twitter announced its acquisition of Periscope for $100 million. A competitor of Meerkat. A competitor of Meerkat. Game over. And the plot thickens. Uh, Meerkat was heavily reliant on Twitter, uh, essentially piggybacking on the social media network's platform. So uh, users sign in via Twitter. Uh, the app connects uh, you with all the Meerkat users uh, through Twitter. And uh, same follower-following relationship that you do on Twitter. So um, I'm just stunned here. And what were you telling me when, was it Periscope or Meerkat? Like, when somebody had the idea, it raised $15 million or something? Yeah, I think they were able to acquire $15 million in funding within maybe a month of becoming a startup. What am I doing working? Like, I'm just going to go create an app, and good Lord. Yeah. Um, and uh, Retail Me Knots had some rough times with Google as well, as I understand it. Yeah, so I think using Meerkat as a parallel here, uh, you know, we're looking at companies that are highly reliant on other platforms for their business. So rule um, number one of venture capital investing is don't invest in a company that's super dependent on another social media bubbly valuation yeah. or, type. Yeah. Or have a way to move past it at some point and migrate to um, a more self-sufficient model. So, you know, uh, the big news with Retail Me Not was uh, Google had reconfigured its uh, search algorithm with a pri- and retail may not just does coupons basically, yeah it's a coupon right? coupon business uh, so they run most of their revenue through uh, affiliate relationships with right. retailers um, so I can go to Google type in bed bath beyond coupon or something and then 15% off retail me out retail me not will hook me up okay <laughs> bed bath beyond coupons never go bad that's yeah, that's Fun one of the fact. reasons I brought that up. Twenty yeah. percent off, baby. My wife loves it. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't throw them out. Um, yeah, so heavily reliant on search, um, particularly Google because it's particularly whatever Google. percent. Yeah, because so. it owns the internet. Um, so heavily reliant on search, and uh, the big thing. 
Sorry. Google changed their algorithm, basically. Yeah, so uh, they instituted this uh, this patch or this update called Panda, and it I think it impacted like 7.5% of U.S. search. Yeah. They could have at least called Retail Me Not, like, hey, guys, heads up. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to drop this bomb on your business. <laughs> yeah. Um, and understandably, uh, Retail Me Not's search went down dramatically. Right. Like, their site traffic went down. Um they're... I have to wonder if that was a risk. Like, we're dependent on Google in the 10Ks. Yeah. That's something I'm going to check out later. Uh, I know. It's funny you say that, Sean. <laughs> Retail Not's filings have the risk note. Major search engines frequently modify their search algorithms. Changes in these algorithms could cause our websites to receive less favorable placements, which could reduce the number of users who visit our websites. And that is exactly what happened. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, the good news, Free Tell Me Not, was a subsequent Panda update in the following months affected about 3 to 5% of domestic search and helped stabilize Retail Me Not search position. So it gave them some more favorable placement than they'd been right. receiving in the, you know, the month or two before that. So uh, this is kind of what happens. Kenza brings me back to... Uh... You know the Ben Graham style investing, the the you know the margin of safety, and you go for margin of safety because you don't know what's going to happen. You need to have it to work out at least okay, even if it totally screws up and Google messes you up. And when you're paying thirty times revenues, it's it's kind of rosy. <laughs> yeah, and like like I mentioned earlier, I think you want to see a company that. You know, maybe they start out reliant on another platform, but eventually they pivot to something that they can own and uh, right. kind of draw customers in on their own. And so, Retail Me Not, uh, you know, they do email subscription as well. And so, like, that's an avenue that they're looking to grow. Um, obviously, their own app, which they are owning, uh, is another way that they can do that. Um, so, like, these are the kind of characteristics that you want to see businesses uh, develop, you know, in order to get away from being so heavily reliant on like the big platform yeah and uh, not to bash retail me not they are profitable which is more than we can say about a lot of the other companies we just mentioned earlier so there's that that's true there's real money (laughs) thank god um so bring it back around do you think this is a bubble because that that uh mark cuban I, i watch him on shark tank he's hilarious um he went into the pointed out uh very interesting thing about this and the difference between what's going on now and 2000 this may or may not be good it's probably good for the average investor is um it's very isolated and anybody that invests in these companies it's not liquid at all yeah you're not gonna get your money back unless this thing goes public someday yours not um, so I don't know. It's it's probably good that uh, mom and pop can't invest in Snapchat. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> but uh, I, I it's very weird because these all these people are very very smart. I don't know what Peter Thiel's IQ is, but it's probably up there. And he's doing this stuff. And <laughs> yeah, I think uh, an interesting news piece I saw. If this is something you want to be tracking, um, so Sam Altman, uh, tech investor, president of Y Combinator. Uh, he put up uh, an one hundred thousand dollar bounty on Bubble Thoughts. So uh, basically, you know, all so this... these guys are so rich they're just <laughs> throwing around. Well, <laughs> he made it clear that it would be a hundred thousand dollar charitable donation. Okay, yeah, that's so, better. All right. Um, and a Boston-based venture capitalist, Michael Delamaza, uh, took him up on the challenge. And so Altman has uh, three statements, and he has to be wrong on one of the following statements to lose the bet. Uh, these three unicorn, or these six unicorns, companies valued at over one billion. So many of the companies we were talking okay, about before: yeah. uh, Uber, Palantir, which you mentioned, Airbnb, Dropbox, Pinterest, and SpaceX will be worth a combined two hundred billion by January first, twenty twenty, uh, and that's double what they're worth today, according to Altman. 
Wow. Second condition, nine mid-level Y Combinator startups, including payment startup Stripe and Bitcoin exchange firm Coinbase, will be worth a combined $27 billion, up from less than $9 billion currently. He's losing that portion of the bet right now. Y Combinator's current batch of 114 startups, currently worth something that rounds down to zero, will be worth $3 billion by 2020. Wow. So, he's taking a big gamble there. That's fun. Well, at least it's for a good cause. <laughs> well, it's a very good cause, and I guess whatever he loses in that bet will pale in comparison to any losses he has right. in, in the VC money right. in those companies. Um, so, it might just add insult to injury. Because yeah. I think uh, Y Combinator takes, I think, like 6% equity yeah. in uh, all the startups that they help seed. So. Wow. Yeah, and as the, basically for our listeners, I wanted to point out an interesting thing. How many companies was he invested in? Maybe like over 100, right? Uh, well, I mean, Y Combinator's current batch of 114 startups. Yeah, 114, so, yeah. And you know, those are low-level startups. So, I mean, they break things out into mid-level, low-level unicorns. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> um, so when we started talking about this, I was really excited for today's show because um, I couldn't help but be reminded of uh, Zero to One, Peter Thiel's new book. It just mm-hmm. came out. Our listeners really need to check it out if they just want a glimpse into this world and how uh, one of its most successful investors looks at things. And um, he, I mean, Econ 101, they always tell us you're actually still supposed to focus on profits and stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know, don't tell don't tell Jeff Bezos or anything. But um, he basically looks for, okay, so if he has a billion dollars, he if he's going to invest in a startup, it needs to have the chance, in his view, based upon potential market size in the future, to double the value of the fund on its own. So if he puts a million dollars into something, it needs to be able to go up a thousandfold. Talk about moonshots. Yeah. And that's <laughs> he, that's what he says. Like He's trying to get sprinkle his bets across a ton of moonshots, and... I mean, he. How much did he make on Facebook? He put like five hundred grand into it, and he made, I don't know, a billion yeah. or something, just something absurd. So I don't know. Nice to be connected to the tech scene. Be but, able to be able to throw five hundred thousand. Yeah, just hanging something. out in Silicon Valley. <laughs> why? Why am I here in D.C.? You know, one, um, one of our writers, uh, Sam Matera, yeah, did, did an interview with Peter Thiel. There's a couple articles on Fool.com. We should probably throw that up again. Yeah, and, we should. We can we can link out to that. Yeah, perfect. We'll do that. <laughs> um, but I just I had to wonder if these crazy valuations are the result of collectively a couple of thousand smart venture capital guys all sprinkling their bets across a bunch of moonshots. Yeah. That's kind of my assessment. I don't know. (laughs) I think uh, the cloud, the app... Oh, here we Landscape. Go. I mean, it's it is the uh, the internet frontier that existed in the late '90s, early 2000s, and right. people are wrapping their heads around it and trying to figure out what can and can't be monetized. And uh, there's going to be a lot that's thrown at the wall up until things start falling. Oh dear, <laughs> handle at your own risk. Yeah, very good. Well, uh, I think it's probably a bubble, but at least it's isolated. I don't know what you think, Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think the the VCs like Teal will probably wind up just fine. Sam Altman probably wind up just fine. Right. But uh, there are going to be plenty of failures along the way. Fantastic. And that is what uh, creates progress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, it is Friday, so why not ring in the weekend with a new deal? If you're looking for a more tech-focused stock idea, Stock Advisor may be the newsletter for you here at The Motley Fool. It's our flagship newsletter that started about 10 years ago by The Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We're offering the lowest price out there for the industry-focused listeners. It is a $98 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two uh, two stock recommendations every single month with insight from a team of analysts here at The Motley Fool, our award-winning analyst team. 
Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of the deal. And once again, that's focus.fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks or venture capital startups that they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Dylan Lewis, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening and Fool on. <laughs>